All right. So we're going to continue. We're going to uh, continue with our scent series. Man, I appreciate it so much Jackie sharing last night. Did you guys, or last week, I'd rather. Did you guys enjoy Jackie hearing her speak? Man, she killed it. She killed it last week. That was phenomenal. Um, we're going to continue. We're going to be in Acts chapter 18. Uh, if you have your Bibles, if not, uh, we got all the verses that are going to be up here on these. Uh, man, thank Derek for putting together all these slides. So, and man, thank the University of Memphis got that got us a projector working. Man, these last few weeks with no projector, I think some of you guys need to go to like the optometrist now, squinting to try to look at those slides. Man, that looks that looks great. So praise the Lord, praise the Lord. That's good. I'm going to pray. Father God, thank you again for a chance to gather with my brothers and sisters to worship together to honor your name together. What a privilege to enjoy each other's company, uh, just to hang out together, to laugh together, to worship you together, to pray together, and to hear your word. God, would you prepare our hearts to receive the truth of your word? Would you till up the soil of our hearts, that our hearts would be good soil, that your word could implant in and grow in us, grow a harvest of faith, a harvest of righteousness in us. Holy Spirit, would you communicate with our hearts exactly what you want spoken God, help me. Help me to magnify Jesus in the message tonight. Jesus, help me to just demonstrate how wonderful and beautiful that you are, uh, that, that, that everyone here uh, would, would come to know you in the fullness of all that you have for them, would receive from you, God, all that you have for them uh, tonight. I'm believing you for that, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. How would you guys talk about yard work? Uh, for a specific reason. So uh, Jack and I moved to Memphis in 2013. A couple years after that, we bought the house that we currently live in uh, with our three kids. The sweet old lady that owned the house we live in before us, she must have loved yard work. And she had the idea that she was going to plant some kind of bush, some kind of tree, some, some kind of shrubbery on every square inch of the perimeter of the fence and the perimeter of the house. That sounds like a nightmare to me, but that's what she decided to do, right? So there are, there's like different kind of bushes and, and, and shrubs that line the fence line and that line the house, and that's not my preference, right? Like, I'd be fine if it wasn't even grass, just like pave the whole thing. I don't, I don't like yard work. I'd rather not be out there. Um, so, so we, but we love the house, right? The house is cool. Uh, the house's location is cool. It's right on the green line. I don't know if any of you guys are like runners or bike riders or outdoorsy kind of people. But the Jackie loves to run, right? So having a house that's like right on the green line, she said, this is the house, right? So I said, okay, because I want to make her happy. Um, but but, but, these, but these, a lot of these bushes and shrubs and little trees and stuff, they just had to go because as they grow, they're just ugly and they're not good. So I started out, man, just little by little, started taking out these bushes right along the lines of the fence, along the house. Uh, I said, hey, you got to go. You know, you're not going to get to come into the next phase of what's happening in this yard. And so, so I would cut them down. I'd dig them up. I would remove them. But initially, I didn't have a lot of tools to do that with, right? I'm not the big, the big tool guy where I've got like a tool for everything. I'm getting more of them, right? I, I like going to Lowe's. I like getting a new tool. My tool library, is that, is that even the right terminology, <laughs> is growing. But, but all I had was like some saws, yeah, and like an axe. And so I'm taking down these, some of these things are thick, right? They've got, they've got uh, thick branches, thick trunk, and, and I'm sawing them down. And uh, so some of it may take like 30 minutes, an hour to like slowly saw this thing, slowly hack it down. So it's time consuming to cut down these branches, cut up these shrubs, haul them away, haul them into the street uh, for the trash pickup to come. Or, or if the trash pickup was not coming often enough for my liking, I would throw them over the back fence. Uh, but it took time because the tools I had were not really the right tools for this job. A couple years ago for my birthday, I got a chainsaw. 
Yes, let's go. A chainsaw. These chainsaws are powerful. I would bring it in as a visual aid, but I'm almost certain I'm not allowed by the University of Memphis to have a chainsaw here in the building. But you guys have seen a chainsaw before. These things are incredibly powerful. And what took me 30, 45 minutes to saw through by hand with my saw goes through in seconds, right? Like a hot knife through butter. Done. Having the right tool for the job made all the difference, right? The big missing ingredient, of course, with the saw is the power of it, right? The power of the chainsaw is like 8,000 times the power of just my own human arm in saw action. Um, man, what a huge difference it makes to do a job when you've got the right tool, right? Uh, and we've got the power that you need to do it. So what about you? I had you guys talk to each other about, has there ever been a job that you didn't have the right tools for. Maybe an assignment from a teacher that's like, man, I don't really have what I need to do this assignment. Have you guys ever experienced this? I know that I have where like a teacher gives you like a worksheet, but it's supposed to be like a two-page thing, and there was an important part on the page that you didn't get, so that the page you have makes no sense. Has anyone ever experienced that? And you're like, wait, teacher, and oh, okay, yeah, you actually needed this answer key, or you needed this sheet of instructions, and the assignment you're supposed to do makes no sense at all, but you still spend like two hours trying to figure it out and realize you're wasting your time, right? Or if you're trying to do like a high math, like a, an algebra two, a, a calculus, a, a trigonometry, and you don't have one of those TI special function calculators, right? So you're trying to do that just with like a pencil and paper, and you're like, man, if I had the right tool, this would go a lot better, a lot easier. Um, man, it makes, it makes a big difference to have what you need to do a job. Have what you need to do a job. It's frustrating, right, to try to do a job when you don't have the right tools or you don't have the power that you need to do it. I mean, it's frustrating. You're like, this is terrible. I want to give up. I want to quit. Uh, it's frustrating to do a job when you don't have the tool that you need to do it. But many people are living their lives without tapping into the power that God has provided for them to live that life successfully. Many people live their whole life Never tapping in. Man, God's given us the tools we need, the power that we need to live this life for Him successfully, right? God's given us the power we need to be a bold witness for Jesus, to follow Jesus, to live a life for Him uh, in the fullness of the power that He has for us to do it. But some people are like, no, nah, I'm just going to keep sawing away on my own, right? Uh, and we don't tap into that power. Uh, and so that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Because, man, when people don't tap into that power, they get tired because they're basically just doing it in their own strength, doing it in their own ability. And that runs out. And then they quit, right? And a lot of people quit following Jesus when it gets difficult, not realizing that they're never tapping into the very power that makes living for Jesus possible. Living for Jesus is impossible on your own. And you can't do it in your own strength. No way. No way. But God has provided for us the power that we need to do it if we'll, if we'll let him. If we'll let him. So we've been studying the New Testament book of Acts together on Thursday nights. Have you guys been enjoying this? Has it been helpful to you studying the book of Acts together? I like these long-form studies of books of the Bible where we can really get into it uh, and, and kind of break down each chapter and break down the verses. We can really understand uh, the scope of what God's doing with that book of the Bible. So we've been studying Acts together. We've been calling this series Sent and talking about what it means to realize you've been sent by God, that you are not in any place on accident, right? Whenever you walk into a situation uh, and walk into a room, you are not there by accident. We believe that because when you're a child of God, you have been sent there with a specific purpose for a specific reason. You may have to discover what that is, but we know first and foremost, God has you there to represent him, to be a representative of Christ, to share Jesus with the people around you, right? That, that's first and foremost. He may have other specific things he wants to do with you and to do with your life, but we know that we are sent people. 
You don't go anywhere on accident. You've been sent there. So you say, okay, God, what'd you send me here for? Right? Some situations is like, I don't even want to be here, God. So if you sent me here, for what? For what? And he'll, he'll reveal that to us. So we've been talking about what it means to be sent with a purpose. Last week, Jackie spoke about Paul in the city of Corinth, right? And, and so tonight, uh, we're going to look at another amazing Bible teacher there in the city of Corinth. Jackie shared about Paul in Corinth. God encouraged Paul there in the city of Corinth. Man, the city where people are far from God. They don't know God. He says, don't be afraid and speak up. Speak up. Be bold for me there in the city. Of course, Paul plants a church there in the city of Corinth. He lives there for about 18 months, working with the people, leading people to Christ, discipling them. Uh, and this church in Corinth becomes a big deal. And two of the books of your New Testament, First and Second Corinthians, are letters written to this church to encourage them. Uh, so again, in the text we're looking at tonight, we're going to pick up in Acts chapter 18. We're going to look at another amazing Bible teacher there in the city of Corinth. This is a man named Apollos. Can you guys say Apollos? Apollos. Apollos. Uh, and we're also going to follow Paul as he starts his third missionary journey and goes to the city of Ephesus. So let's take a look at it. Acts chapter 18, starting in verse 24. Acts 18, starting in verse 24, says, Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, an eloquent speaker who knew the Scriptures well, had arrived uh, in Ephesus from Alexandria in Egypt. He'd been taught the way of the Lord, and he taught others about Jesus with an enthusiastic spirit and with accuracy. He's a good teacher, right? He says he taught them with accuracy. He taught them with an enthusiastic spirit. Luke tells us that he comes from Alexandria in Egypt. Why is that significant? What do we know about Alexandria? I think this tells us he is a bright dude. He is a smart dude. Alexandria in the ancient world... Uh, was home to the largest library in the ancient world. They loved knowledge. They loved reading. They loved books. They loved, man, man how can I expand my knowledge and understanding? That's Alexandria. So when, when Luke wants to make sure to tell us Apollos, oh yeah, he's from Alexandria. That's a big deal. Like, so he, he's coming from Harvard, Yale, Cambridge, right? This is a guy that knows his stuff. And he says, man, when he preaches, whoa, sit back, y'all. Like it's with accuracy. He, that means he's on point. This is with enthusiasm. People are getting excited. Let's go. More Apollos. More Apollos. Um, and so, so Apollos says they're, they're preaching. Um, it says, however, he knew only of John's baptisms. Who's John? This is talking about John the Baptist, right? As we read the Gospels, he would baptize guys and ladies in the wilderness who were repenting of their sins and turning to God, uh, being immersed in water. Man, we still do this today. When someone makes a, a choice to follow Jesus, uh, the very next step for them is to uh, display that to the people around them by obeying uh, Jesus and being baptized in water, saying, hey, I'm dying to this old life of sin, and I'm going to live with the life that I have in Jesus. And they do that through water baptism. So, so Paulos, man, amazing teacher, on-point teacher, full of energy and enthusiasm. But Luke says, hey, but he only knew about John's baptism. Why does Luke tell us that? Well, I think we'll see here in a minute. Verse 26. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him preaching boldly in the synagogue, they took him aside and explained the way of God even more accurately. Even more accurately. So uh, I appreciate they did it in private. They didn't stand up and be like, 
Yo, Apollos, you forgot, you forgot something. <laughs> That's no good. Uh, but privately, man, they pulled him aside and they said, hey, there, there's something you're missing. There's a tool in the toolbox that's missing. We want to help you to be able to communicate the word of God more accurately. Jackie told us about Priscilla and Aquila last week. This is a married couple that are serving the Lord together. And I think that's super cool, right? Uh, Priscilla and Aquila, this married couple, Priscilla's name, the wife's name often appears first. And that's not on accident, man. We think that she probably kind of took the lead, man. She was the uh, more knowledgeable uh, leader and teacher. Of course, husband's there, man, supporting her, encouraging her. Um, but God used her in a powerful way. Uh, and we see her mentioned again and again, man, in the New Testament. Uh, how God, but they're always mentioned together, Priscilla and Aquila, never separately, because they were that power couple, that dynamic duo who's doing it together. Um, that, that, that's them. And so they pull Apollos aside and say, Apollos, man, you are doing awesome. Man, you are killing it. There's one thing that you're missing out on, and we want to encourage you with that. We want to teach you that so you can teach the Word of God more accurately, it says. So they do this. And, and, and we, we believe Apollos receives it because he continues on from there. Verse 27. Apollos had been thinking of going to Achaia and the brothers and sisters in Ephesus encouraged him to go. They wrote to believers in Achaia asking them to welcome him. And when he arrived there, he proved to be of great benefit to those who, by God's grace, had believed. So what did he do? Verse 28, he refuted the Jews with powerful arguments in public debate. Using the scriptures, he explained to them that Jesus was the Messiah. So remember, Apollos is a bright dude. You do not want to get into a debate with Apollos. Right? When someone super smart comes on the scene and they're knowledgeable about their topic, you don't want to be locked in a debate with that person, right? They're, they're going to they're gonna mess you up. And so, so Apollos knows his stuff uh, and he's publicly debating these guys and he's proving to them with the Bible, with their own scriptures, Jesus is the Messiah, right? Say, okay, you hold these scriptures in high regard. I'm going to prove to you with your own verses that Jesus is the Messiah. Boom, 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 boom. People were astonished, and people were believing, and people were putting their trust in Jesus. So we know Apollos was an enthusiastic teacher. But Luke tells us he only knew about John's baptism. Uh, we're told that Priscilla and Aquila taught him how to explain the way of God more accurately. Uh, I don't know how old Apollos was at this point. No way to know that. Luke doesn't tell us. I know when I got started preaching, though, I was in Chi Alpha, right, as a student. I was... Uh, Probably 19, 20 years old when I first got, first got called uh, into the ministry. Um, I, I made a decision to follow Christ in high school, right? So I was, this was 1997-ish. Um, the, uh, man, I was uh, into my freshman year, beginning of my sophomore year of high school. Uh, man, I really started following Jesus, got serious about my faith. Uh, went to University of Tennessee in Knoxville, where Camille's about to graduate from in, in next month. And, uh, and, and, and that's where I met Jackie. Got involved with Chi Alpha as a student. Uh, went to a conference uh, to, to, to learn how to be a, a student leader and learn how to do evangelism stuff on campus. Love the conference. While I was there, God called me into the ministry. Said, man, I want you to give your life to reaching university students with the gospel. And then he would confirm that again, you know, several times in the next few years. Um, so I told my campus pastor, his name's Chuck Lester. Some of y'all met him. If you've not met him, I look forward to the day you get to meet Chuck. Uh, he's like a second dad to me. Love this man. I told him, hey, I feel like God's called me into the ministry. He said, okay, we need to give you some opportunities to preach then. To do what now? So, so those first few times that I got to speak in Calpha, I know they were rough, right? I know they had to be rough because I'm learning. I'm just learning. Uh, and then the same here. I mean, if you feel like you've got a call of ministry on your life, you feel like God's called you to preach, 
and teach, man, we want to use that. We want to use that. Um, and first and foremost, we'd love to see you go through D class, discipleship class, learn to be a life group leader, right? Teach the Bible uh, in our life groups, in our small groups, and help people grow in the Lord. Man, we'd love to, man, on, on a Thursday night, give you an opportunity to learn how to preach. Um, and we, we've had students in the last several years come and speak, and I hope, hope spoken probably most recently. Um, and, um, and we love it when we've got a student that feels called to ministry. Man, why not do it here? Kyle's family, right? Man, if you're going to learn to preach, you know, for, first learn to preach here. Uh, and and those first few times that I spoke, it was probably like borderline probably heresy, right? Like, I'm, like I, I don't think it was, but, but it was rough. It was rough because you, you don't just start knowing how to preach, knowing how to communicate. So those first few messages, you know, people had to take me aside and be like, okay, no, it's all right. But there's some things you could do better, right? And I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful for the pastors, the mentors, the people God put in my life to help me to grow as a communicator, as a preacher, right? And that's a tremendous help. I love to be that to other people, right? When I hear, um, and here, 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 a lady, here, a guy's been called to the ministry. I love to sit down. Hey, look, let's workshop that sermon. Let's work it out. Let's help you to be able to communicate accurately. So that's what Priscilla and Aquila are doing here for Apollos, helping them to explain the Word of God more accurately. Again, my first few sermons were probably garbage, right? Apollos, I'm thinking, is much better than that. But there's something that he's missing. Uh, and, and they're helping him to be a more gifted communicator. He needed some help. His teaching was missing something. We're not told exactly what that is. Luke doesn't tell us exactly what that is, what it, what it is his teaching was missing. But I do think it's significant that in verse 25, Luke makes sure we know he only knows about John's baptism, that baptism in water. That's significant. Um, that would be the baptism in water for repentance, that public display of faith in Christ. I believe that what's missing from his teaching was the other baptism, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This is the baptism that Jesus promised to all of his followers. He said, wait until you've been clothed with power on high. This is the power you need, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the fullness of the Holy Spirit. You need to be a bold witness for me. Jesus promised again and again throughout the gospel, six times in the four gospels and in Acts, that he's, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. You're going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, baptized in my spirit and with fire. I think this is the baptism that Apollos is mentioning, or Apollos is missing, that Priscilla and Aquila help him with. That baptism and spiritual fire uh, that, that helps believers to live this life for Jesus, to tap into that power that makes living for Jesus possible and be bold witnesses for Him. And we've already, as we're studying the book of Acts, we've already seen believers baptized in the Holy Spirit several times. Um, and first on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, the believers in the upper room there in Jerusalem. We saw the believers in Samaria get baptized in the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 9, we see Paul baptized in the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit. His hands were laid on him. In Acts chapter 10, Cornelius' household are baptized in the Holy Spirit in the middle of Peter's sermon. Like Peter's preaching in the middle of the sermon, the whole household gets filled with the Holy Spirit and people are speaking in tongues and prophesying. So we've already seen several examples of believers baptized in the Holy Spirit already up until this point. Um, and so one of the reasons I feel like this was the missing component in the teaching is that Luke contrasts it in the very next passage uh, with, where Paul encounters some believers, um, and they also say they've only learned of John's baptism. Let's look at what, what Paul says to them. This is going to be Acts chapter 19, starting in verse 1. We talk about Apollos with the meanwhile, meanwhile Apollos. Now we get back to Paul. It says, while Paul was in Corinth... I'm sorry, while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus. 
on the coast where he found several believers. And this is what he asked him. Verse 2, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So he finds some believers. He finds some people that, that, that are believers. And the very first question he has for them is, oh, you're believers. Great. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He asked them. No, they replied. We haven't even heard there is a Holy Spirit, right? So it's a no, we've not received the Holy Spirit. And in fact, this is the first time we're hearing about this. What is the Holy Spirit? So, so he asked him another question. Verse 3. Then what baptism did you experience? He asked. And they replied, the baptism of John. Paul said, John's baptism called for repentance from sin. But John himself told people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. And as soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when then Paul laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them. And they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. Right? So Paul encounters some believers. Right? And kind of like Apollos, they're, they're missing some things. Uh, and I guess Paul's able to drill down on that and say, Hey, I, I, I see that you're believers. That's fantastic. Have you received the Holy Spirit yet? No. I, I, we've not even heard there was a Holy Spirit. Okay. Well, let's talk about that, right? And, and so uh, he, he makes sure that they're baptized in the name of Jesus. And then he lays hands on them. And then we see the supernatural take place as they are also baptized in the Holy Spirit. Uh, supernatural signs accompany that baptism. We're told that they speak in other tongues and prophesy. Again, we've seen this happen several times in the book of Acts already, where believers baptized in the Holy Spirit speak in other tongues, speak in another language than what they know. Uh, for, for us, it would be another language than English or whatever your, your primary language is. For them, it was another language than um, in the, the Hebrew, uh, the, the, the Greek that they would have been familiar with. Uh, I mean, they're speaking another language and prophesying. Prophesying here, not so much predicting future events, like sometimes we think of prophesying, but just speaking messages from God. So praise to God even. You know, encouraging messages about God, to God, uh, just erupting from them as they're filled with the Holy Spirit, right? They're filled with the Holy, Holy Spirit and picture a bucket being filled to overflowing and just sloshing out. And what sloshes out are these, these praises to God, these messages about God, these encouragements about God. That's prophecy. Uh, and also these other languages they don't know. That's these tongues. Uh, just evidence there that something supernatural is happening, right? These believers baptized in the Holy Spirit. Paul begins his third missionary journey when he finds these believers in Ephesus who had not heard about the Holy Spirit. The very first thing he does is said, man, we need to fix that, right? And he lays hands on them and they're baptized in the Holy Spirit. Paul knew that this was something critical for a believer to experience in order to have the power they needed to live for Jesus and be a bold witness for Him. Without it, they'd really just be relying on their own strength, right? Like you can believe in Jesus, you can hear the gospel and say, yeah, that's good. I, I, I've heard that God loves me. I'm glad for that. Oh, God sent His Son for me. Wow, that's really good news. His Son died for me, right? All, the, the punishment that I deserve for everything I've done wrong and I've done a lot of wrong, that was laid on Jesus instead. Man, that's good news. And you can say, I believe that. I want to trust in that. You can mentally be like, yes, yes, yes. Nod your head. Oh, Jesus rose from the dead. Yes. And, and he, he offers the eternal life to me. Yes, I want that. You can mentally acknowledge that. And, and, and what we see here, and still not fully receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit that God has for you that enables you to fully live for him. And so a believer that's just kind of mentally ascended to trust in Jesus but isn't living with the power of the Holy Spirit, 
well, that's a problem because eventually they're going to get tired and want to give up, right? I mean, you see that. You see people fall away from the Lord. You see people go for a few weeks, a few months, a few years, and then I can't do this in my own power. And that's right, you can't. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. So when Paul finds these believers, first thing he asks, you guys, you guys got the Holy Spirit yet? No? Okay, let's, let's take care of that. And he lays hands on them. They're, they're baptized in the Holy Spirit. They're full of the Holy Spirit. Without it, they'd just be relying on their own strength. They'd ultimately fail, like trying to do a job and not having the right tool. It's frustrating. And eventually you're going to want to quit. This is why Jesus commanded his followers in Acts chapter 1. If you'll remember back to the very first chapter of Acts, this is right before the ascension, right? So the four Gospels have Jesus. We also get Jesus at the very beginning of Acts. And he commands his followers in Acts chapter 1. Uh, he gives them a very specific command to wait in the city of Jerusalem until they've been what called clothed with power from on high, right? Filled with the Holy Spirit. He given them a mission to go and make disciples, right? Of all nations, right? To go to every single people group on the planet and share the good news of the gospel, the good news of what God had done for them in Christ. Tell everybody, make disciples of everybody, teach everyone to obey me and, and obey my teachings and, and teach everyone how to live in a way that pleases God. But don't do it yet. Don't do it yet. Wait. Wait. That's what Acts chapter 1 says. Wait. Don't do it yet. Wait in Jerusalem. Just wait. Just wait. Don't do it yet. Until you've received that power, you need to do it. Because why? If they just went out right away in their own strength, maybe they'd make it a couple of weeks. Maybe they'd make it a couple of months. But they wouldn't last long. And they just seen Jesus raised from the dead. So I'm sure they were excited, right? Jesus was dead. Now he's alive. All right, we're hyped. We're pumped. Jesus, we're going to go for you forever. Jesus says, no, I know humans, right? You're excited now, but emotions, do emotions last? No. A few weeks in, a few months in, a few years in, y'all are starting to be persecuted and martyred. You're going to give up. You can't go in your own strength. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. So before you start making disciples, don't even, don't even do it at all. Wait in Jerusalem until you've received the Holy Spirit. So that's what they do. And then the day of Pentecost hits, right? And there's this powerful outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Peter, full of the Holy Spirit, preaches a sermon uh, there in Acts 2 and 3. And we see 3,000 people uh, come to believe on the Lord. And the church just explodes there in Jerusalem. Not because of the power of man, but because of the power of the Holy Spirit. We need it. Jesus knew we needed it. So what is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? You know, if we say, we're talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, what do we mean by that? What is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? We talked about what baptism in water is, right? That, that, that uh, symbolic going down into water and raising back up to identify with Jesus' death and resurrection and say, hey, I'm dying to this old life. I'm living for Jesus now. I'm receiving Jesus as my Savior and Lord. I'm living for Him now. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is different, Right? Um, it, it's different. It's, it's instead of being submerged and soaking wet in water, you're totally submerged and full of the Holy Spirit of God. So, so let me clear up some misconceptions, though. And, and, and misconceptions that are particularly with the way Paul words it here. I think some people can kind of get confused. Um, it would be wrong to say some Christians have the Holy Spirit and some don't. Right Now, there's some Christians that have been filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized in the Holy Spirit, and some that haven't experienced that. But all Christians have the Holy Spirit. Do you guys hear me? Every single person who's put their trust in Jesus as Savior and Lord, has been saved by God and Christ, has the Holy Spirit. You can't even come to God without the Holy Spirit, right? We can't even begin to draw near to God unless the Holy Spirit draws us. Right? It's the Holy Spirit that then convicts us of our sin, and we realize, man... I need to repent. There's things I need to stop doing so I can turn to God. 
It's the Holy Spirit that gives us that first bit of faith to even believe the gospel, right? Without, without that faith, without the Holy Spirit, the, the, the good news of the gospel just sounds like foolish nonsense to us. We need the Holy Spirit to give us the faith even to believe it, right? So, so man, the Holy Spirit is active in every step of the process. When we do believe it, when we put our trust in Jesus, when we turn away from our sins and say, yes, I'm putting my trust in you, Jesus, and what you did on the cross to save me, it's the Holy Spirit, right, that applies that grace to our life, that cleans us up, that sanctifies us, uh, that presents us before God as holy. Uh, and the Bible tells us the Holy Spirit man, comes uh, and lives in us and through us as believers. Your body, your life becomes a temple of the Holy Spirit. Right? We talk about maybe as you're, if you grew up in church, in children's church, they talk about inviting Jesus into your heart. What, what, where did that come from? Well, that, that's, Jesus lives in us through the power of his Holy Spirit. Right? The Holy Spirit, it lives in each believer. It's the Holy Spirit that is, is cleaning us up, convicting us of sin when we're going astray. Uh, you can't even be a Christian without, without having the Holy Spirit. Right? It's the Holy Spirit. Uh, the New Testament uses the analogy as like a stamp that says you belong to God. Right? He's marked you with a seal. And that seal is his Holy Spirit. So when you put your trust in Jesus, picture your heart getting like a big stamp on it. Boom. Shelby belongs to Jesus, right? Boom. The cure belongs to Jesus. It's a stamp, a seal saying you belong to the Lord forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Every believer has the Holy Spirit. Not every believer has experienced this, though. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. The fullness of the Holy Spirit, where they fully tapped into the power that God has for them. They totally surrendered and said, Holy Spirit, have your way with my life. Been filled to overflowing and allowing the gifts of the Holy Spirit, supernatural power to operate in their life. Not every believer is walking in that. But every believer can be walking in that. And I believe it's what Jesus has in mind for every believer. That's why he says, don't go yet. Wait in Jerusalem until you receive the power of the Holy Spirit. You're going to need it. You're going to need it. Don't go out in your own strength. Don't try to just live for Jesus in your own strength because you are going to want to give up. You're going to want to quit. If we're not tapping into the power of the Holy Spirit, we're only relying on our own strength, which is nowhere near sufficient enough to supply us for the challenges we're going to face in this life. Our own strength, our own energy is going to run out. Our determination is going to run out. You may have a super positive attitude. One day that's going to run out and fail. Some of you guys said it failed this year, right? I used to be a real positive person and then COVID and then now I'm like, ugh, right? We can't just go on our own emotions, our own enthusiasm. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. We can live boldly for Jesus and be witnesses whose lives continually point people to Him if we rely on the power of the Holy Spirit, if we're filled with the Holy Spirit. How many times have you been trying to make an electronic device work, a computer something else that needs electricity, and you're like, I cannot get this thing to even come on. What is wrong with it? I can't get it to work. I'm doing everything. And then you follow the, the cord, and it's not plugged in. Have you guys ever done that? Or am I only I that, that stupid, right? Like you're trying to make the thing work, and I've done everything. I'm going to throw this thing in the wall. Oh, it's not even plugged in. How could it work, right? It's not, it's not even plugged into the power source. How could it work? If we're not allowing ourselves to be filled with God's Holy Spirit, we're not plugged into the very power source that makes life in Christ possible. We're just plugged into ourselves, right? We're just plugged into our own strength and ability. You guys know what this is? This is a power strip, right? And so we, we plug this into the wall, and it gives power to all of our devices and phone chargers and laptops and fans and, and whatever else, your coffee machines and your mini fridges, if it's tapped into the power. But if we live our lives... And we're not 
filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, we're basically just tapped into ourselves. This does nothing, right? This, this is useless, right? But this is our life when we're just trying to do it on our own. God doesn't want you to do that. He doesn't want you to do that. Jesus wanted us to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, baptized in His Holy Spirit, His Holy Spirit working through our life every single day. Every single day. That's what God wants for us. So this is why Paul asked the believers, the very first question, oh, you guys are some believers? All right, question number one, y'all filled with the Holy Spirit? Right? Y'all got the Holy Spirit? Obviously, you got the Holy Spirit if you're a believer, but do you got the Holy Spirit? And they said, bro, we don't even know what the Holy Spirit is. Okay, well, let's fix that right away. Let's fix that right away. He knew how important it was. He knew that they needed it. So now I want to ask you, Chi Alpha, I want to ask you, students, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Did you, you put your trust in Jesus? Some of you guys have been following Jesus for months. Some of y'all for years. Some of y'all maybe don't remember a time before you were following Jesus because you were so young. That's awesome. But have you received that baptism of the Holy Spirit, that fullness of the power of God that enables you to live a bold life for Jesus? You guys know what I mean when I say bold? Like you're just bold for Jesus. You don't care what anybody thinks. Right? Like, you're not worried about, uh, you know, who, uh, what, are, what are people going to think of me? Or, or, or what if I fail? Like, man, you're just living boldly for Jesus. Man, fully enjoying Him and all that He's given you, right? And your life is a bold witness to the people around you. And you're sharing your faith and you're not afraid. Like, God wants that for each of you. Right? And, and, and that, that's what it means to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Did you receive the Holy Spirit in that way when you began following Jesus? Have you asked the Lord at any point in your life, have you asked the Lord to baptize you with His Holy Spirit? And if not, let's do it tonight. Right? April 1st, 2021. Why not tonight? If you've never asked God, God, fill me with your Holy Spirit, He wants to do it. Right? He wants to do it more than you want to have it. Let me tell you that. Um, in, uh, in, in, in the Gospel of Luke, uh, Jesus says, If you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will God give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Right? So I'm a father. Derek's a father. Jackie's a mother. So we got kids, right? Our kids come and ask us for something. He says, if your kid comes and asks for bread, you're not going to give him a rock instead. Right? That's pretty bad. If your kid comes and asks for fish, for us it's goldfish. Like My kids eat their weight in goldfish each week, I tell you that. I'm not going to give him a snake instead, right? He says, so you human beings that are, that are sinfully minded, even you know how to take good care of your children. How much more is your Heavenly Father going to give you the Holy Spirit when you ask? So God, God wants to baptize you with this Holy Spirit. I hope I've communicated that well. God wants you to have this. Have you ever asked Him for it? God, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Baptize me with your Holy Spirit. Sent people, people that are sent by God, depend on the power of the Holy Spirit to empower them to live boldly for Jesus. Sent people depend on the power of the Holy Spirit to empower them to live boldly for Jesus. Here's how I want to respond to this. I want to give every single one of you an opportunity to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, to ask God, fill me with your Holy Spirit like you did these believers here in Ephesus. Fill me to overflowing until... I'm a bucket that's overflowed and I'm just sloshing all over everybody I meet. God, that's what I want. I'm going to be so full of you. It gets on everybody, right? That's what I want. That's the life I want. If you've never asked God for that, man, I want to give you an opportunity to ask God for that tonight. 
Maybe you maybe prayed that a long time ago. Prayed, yeah, I remember that. Or maybe at a camp, or maybe in my youth group. I remember praying to ask God to baptize me in the Holy Spirit. But it's been a minute. And man, I feel like I leaked all of that out, right? We're cracked vessels. We're prone to leak. And, and I think the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not a one-time event. Man, it's something you ask God for again and again and again. Maybe each day. God, fill me with your Holy Spirit today. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. God, I need more of you and less of me. I want to give us a chance to respond to that. I'm going to give you clear instructions what that response time is going to look like. Um, I would love to pray for you, right? So what we're going to do is here in a minute, we're going to officially end the Calvary meeting, right? Calvary meeting's over. If you say, hey, Matt, I heard all you said, and love you, that's going to be it for me tonight, then go go hang out in the lobby. Uh, That's totally fine. If you say, Matt, I need that. I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Or maybe I need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit again, fresh and anew. Then we're going to pray for you, okay? And I'd love for you guys to come down uh, to the front here. We're going to have some time to pray for you. Um, so the time right now, let's look at the time. I, so the time is 9.28. At 9.45, we'll have that meeting. So remember, immediately after service, we said there's going to be a short uh, meeting about the virtual missions trip. So that's going to be 9.45, right? It's almost 9.30 now. At 9.45, we're just going to meet right here and have that meeting about the virtual mission trip to Turkey. That's going to be awesome. Uh, Derek's got details about that. Um, but in these next 15 minutes, we want to spend some time just praying and responding to God. So again, in, in, in like 60 seconds, I'm going to say the meeting's over. And then you're, you're, you're welcome to, to go hang out in the lobby. Say, hey, I want to go to that missions trip meeting. We'll hang out in the lobby for 15 minutes, then come back in. That's fine. If you say, Matt, I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, then come meet me down here. Um, or if you say, Matt, man, I feel like I am full. I've asked for, that, for God recently. Now I just want to kind of hang out, sit in my chair, and pray for these other people to come forward. That's cool too, right? So that's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray to close up. Meeting's over. If you say, Matt, would you pray for me to receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit? Come meet me down here on the carpet, okay? Father God, thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you for the truth of your word, the example uh, that, that we have, the testimony of the believers that went before us, God. God, we see how dependent they were on the power of your Holy Spirit for everything. How much more do we need you today in 2021? God, I don't believe the world's any less dark, any less difficult to be a Christian, to be a light for you, God. Uh, we need you. God, we need the power of your Holy Spirit. We need to be full of your Holy Spirit. And I pray that you would baptize students tonight in your Holy Spirit and fire to give them the boldness, the power, the strength they need to live for you. Uh, the, the strength they need to live and be bold witnesses for you that point other people to you where they can share their faith uh, with boldness, with confidence, and see, see people in their life come to you, see you work through them with supernatural uh, miracles and, and signs and wonders uh, and the power of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit will be full in their life. God, we're believing you for that tonight. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord.